0: In 2021, Americans spent over $60 billion just to play video games. And what that actually cost our nation in lost productivity and revenue? Well, it's anyone's guess. Anecdotal evidence gives rise to the notion that much of this could be used in the workforce to help balance our economy. But we have young adults in their parents' basement watching porn and playing video games. Today, we'll be talking with a former video game junkie who just might be able to help your family from becoming victims in a digital disaster. We'll be talking with Adam Brooker today on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent at the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year long Christ centered residential program for teens in crisis. And our host, Trace Embry, is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill and also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed a Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. You know, Trace, video game addiction really could be costing our nation a ton of revenue, mm-hmm. but it's really more than just money, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's way more than that. I think um, you know, and you know, I'm not referring necessarily to all the other forms of digital abuse. Uh, let's just you know stick with video game addictions for a minute. Uh, by the way, I'm not campaigning against video games when I say that you know, uh, say what I'm going to say. Uh, any more than I'm campaigning against food, because mm-hmm. overindulging in food can hurt you too, and in some mm-hmm. cases even kill you. That's yeah. kind of my case, but actually. But but food is something we call sustenance. Uh, Yet, again, you can still abuse sustenance. Oxygen is sustenance. Water is sustenance. Hmm. Too much of either of these two things can kill you, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, A video game is not sustenance. Uh, You don't need them to live. They could be considered what's called substance. Substance abuse is definitely a thing. Any digital Hmm. addiction is basically doing the same thing to the brain as cocaine or heroin. That's, That's no joke. So what I want to say is that I think what you said in your monologue is, is spot on. Uh, digital addictions, and for this particular discussion, video game addictions, are starting to affect our nation's economy, I think. Mm. But the even bigger deal is that they're eating into the soul of the young and old alike. I've got relatives who into their 50s and 60s squandered years of their life playing video games. Believe that or not. But at the end of the day, what do they got? You know, what does a person have if they've gotten to the 15th level of the video game? I I, Mm -hmm. I don't know. People can't feel good about themselves when they're pleasuring themselves in imbecility or when they have no real friends or get no real Mm -hmm. sunlight. I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm out to lunch here, but I think today's guest can probably help us get some things sorted out here.
0: Yeah, I think he can, because today we are talking with a young man who will help us understand how our culture can grab our minds and attention and hold us as prisoner. Adam Brooker grew up in the Charlotte area. He graduated high school in 2010 and went to North Carolina State University for one year. He then dropped out to enlist in the Army and ended up leaving for basic training in 2012. Adam was part of the 82nd Airborne Division and five years later, he finished his undergrad in North Carolina and now he's in his last semester at Campbell Law School in Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, Adam, thank you for your service and welcome to Licensed to Parent.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Well, you're
1: here because you uh, have firsthand experience with being captive to a video game addiction. At least that's what I've been told. Uh, Tell us a little about your story.
2: Yeah, so really, for me, um, growing up in the 90s, that wasn't really the hot video game era. I remember the first video game system I got was a Nintendo 64. And those had (laughs) games that you could play and they were fun, but you couldn't play them continuously. There were levels and you beat the level, the levels are all the same. So you just would have to keep replaying the same thing over and over again. So the games weren't like they are today yeah. back then. And how um, old were you when you first started playing? I probably was. Well, I had a Game Boy to start when I was, I think, seven or eight. Okay. Um, but that was kind of the same. That was something you couldn't just play all the time. Yeah. Um, I remember those. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then into the Nintendo 64, but I was still, you know, playing outside, playing football, baseball, street hockey in the cul-de-sac with my friends growing up there. Um, But when it really kind of started was in middle school with a game called Guild Wars, which is similar kind of to World of Warcraft, which is where I ended up. But basically, uh, my friend group, this game... I think it came out, it had been out for a little bit, I can't remember, but my friends all started playing it. So I got it and started playing and and we would play together. And then, um, so we did that for probably about a year or two. And then it became World of Warcraft. And that's where things started kind of downturning a little bit, you know, instead of hanging out with my friends and Doing whatever kind of activities outside, we would just play games or we would, you know, go to a friend's house on Friday, one of our houses, and we'd play like Call of Duty together. And that's just that was kind of our group activity. It stayed. It wasn't a huge, huge problem in high school for me, but it was still a problem looking back like my grades stayed pretty good. Um, my life didn't fall apart at this point. What do you attribute that to? Um, probably the more structured environment, I think of high school, Mm -hmm. um, more structured and my parents were around. Um, my mom kind of eventually stopped fighting me about it. It was kind of a issue Mm, throughout high school. Um, But I mean, like I said, my I always have kind of, you know, done well academically. And Mm -hmm. um, so my grades were good. And so that's kind of the metric that a lot of parents use to kind of determine, you know, where their where their kid is at.
0: (laughs) Adam, when you say that your mom stopped fighting you, Mm -hmm. how many hours? First of all, how many hours a day were you doing video games? And then what was your excuse to your mom?
2: Yeah, so I don't know if it was really anything that I did that made her just kind of stop. I think she just got worn down eventually. And mm-hmm. and it was kind of a thing really until my senior year is when she kind of gave up.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Adam, you graduate from high school. You have this what we might say slight addiction. So where mm-hmm. did the turn come? Where would you say you fell down that sort of pit?
2: Yeah, I was at NC State. I was in the engineering program. I had actually passed both of the weed out physics classes in high school through my AP classes. And basically, my first semester, I did really well. I had, I don't know, like a a 386 or something like that, if I Mm -hmm. remember. Um, And so it started off well. But actually, there were some key things that happened that first semester that I think led to the me dropping out. But basically, I went there and was rooming with one of my best friends from high school. He had all this stuff go wrong in the first two weeks, like wisdom teeth got infected. Um, the surgery after his surgery, like he had these teachers he like couldn't understand and now he works for Google but he couldn't handle that in the beginning so he actually left after like the second week and so I was kind of by myself Mm. and so that kind of started it and then into the second semester I was like you know more thinking I was like I saw how well I did the first semester and I was like you know that wasn't really that hard and so I was just thinking to myself, well, I can, you know, play World of Warcraft with my friends more. And so that's what I did. And it's, it was a lot of things. I was getting depressed because I didn't know anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been in a dorm that wasn't really like a freshman dorm. It was even, it was kind of is off campus. It was far away from everything. And like I said, my, my friend left. And so I missed kind of the you know the introductory period yeah. where everyone's kind of new and just meeting other people
0: the important period because now you're experiencing isolation cuz you don't know anyone
2: yeah
1: well college is a place think it was originally designed to be a place to grow in maturity and i think we've turned it into an extension of our adolescence and uh mm-hmm. where we where we should be yeah, that's... growing maturity, we we find it that uh, we don't do so well with the extra freedom that we have, and I think that's indicative of the culture we live in. We, we've kind of taken our cues from Hollywood and, and contemporary music and just our culture in general, and this is one of the outwork. I've got people very close to me who've, who who uh, fell apart because of video games, as a matter of fact, uh, in college. Uh, so I, I got a little little bit of insight to that. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that can be evidenced just just by the fact that there are tons of college freshmen that start and have no idea what they want to study. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, that to me just kind of necessarily indicates that they're not there for yeah. education. They're there for an experience.
1: Yeah. Well, that's pretty much emblematic of uh, too large a percent of the, of the young people who go to college.
0: Well, it's break time, and our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Adam Brooker. We are talking about getting help for teens and their parents. And a note to parents who see this happening with your child, you might want to go back and listen to last week's program with Melanie Hempe's conversation with us about why parents cave when talking about phones and media and games to their children. Go to to LicensedToParent.org, and we'll be back with more Licensed to Parent right after this.
3: in today's digital age there's more access than ever to digital devices with technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteam.org, click on resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of eBooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape.
1: Help by TroubledTeen.org. Hi, folks. Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent Broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern-day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago when Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherds Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to his word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's
3: Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org.
0: Welcome back to Licensed to Parent. Our host today is Trace Embry. Trace is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a residential treatment center for troubled teens. And if you need help with your teen and want to learn more, you can visit LicensedToParent.org. Our guest today is Adam Brooker, and he's recovered from a gaming addiction, and he's here to share his story. And Adam, when we just before the break, we were talking about how your gaming addiction was slowly amping up and you're a freshman in college and you're in your second semester. Is that correct? What happened there?
2: Yeah, so I was prepared very well, like I said earlier, for college by my high school, and that made it really easy that first year because I was taking all just general, you know, the easier, just 100-level freshman classes. And so I kind of allowed myself more gaming time because after the first semester and how well I did, I kind of realized that it was easier than I thought. But a lot of stuff just kind of built up um, and I just got really depressed actually Mm -hmm. my second semester. Uh, That was kind of the highlight there, the overarching problem. But I remember there was a week, like a normal school week where I literally just didn't even leave my dorm building because it was a Mm -hmm. private kind of dorm and they had the, like a, food hall on the Mm -hmm. top level and so i didn't even have to leave and so i was just really really depressed and i was just playing world of warcraft just all the time just all the time did you
1: realize Um, you were addicted at this point
2: i did at at this point i knew that like something you know was wrong Mm -hmm. and so Basically, I only applied to NC State and for the engineering program. And I was like, in high school, I was like, I'm either going to go do this or I'm going to enlist. And so it wasn't like some crazy just off the cuff decision to be like, oh, I'm just going to drop out and enlist. That was a solid kind of backup plan that I had. And I had just kind of realized that it wasn't like it just the school thing wasn't going to work for me. I ended up finishing that semester, uh, did very poorly academically. And then I started the whole enlistment process, talking to the recruiter. And when it was all said and done, it ended up taking about a year from that summer. So summer of 2012, that's when basic training was. And that was obviously just completely cold turkey. Like Mm -hmm. the past year, I had been still gaming, but not quite as much. I had a part time job for a little bit at a warehouse. Um, And so kind of doing things like that.
0: What were your parents thinking during this time during this waiting time? You're still gaming a little bit. You left college, you're heading into the military, you're obviously you're addicted to gaming. What were your parents thinking?
2: I don't know. I don't really know what was going on with them hmm. but i think that once i and like signed the contract it was at that point it was like um i mean one way or another you know i'm going off to do this thing so yeah. i went off to basic training and i had an infantry contract with the army and so i did basic training that was i want to say it was 13 weeks because they kind of do your individual training and basic training in one thing when you're infantry. And so I did that at Fort Benning, Georgia, and then went to Fort Bragg, or actually I did airborne school as well, which is static line jumping, which is when you see just tons of people jumping out of a plane, and then went to Fort Bragg, and I was actually in the special forces pipeline for a little bit, got hurt, dropped out, got medically dropped, Um, and then I got sent to the 82nd airborne division and that's kind of where I grew up was in an infantry platoon in the 82nd. We were light infantry, so it was, it was a difficult, demanding job, um, in a harsh environment, but it really did a lot for me as far as discipline and things like that go.
1: Well, Adam, I'd be curious to know, uh, how many other people do you know, in, uh, in your college years, that didn't finish college directly because of a, of a video game addiction?
2: Oh, several. I mean, that's a huge thing now. Like, mm-hmm. they, they put that on, like, you know, the introduction orientation week or day or whatever, as one of the things for, you know, students dropping yeah. out on these presentations sure. and stuff. It's, it's definitely a problem.
1: What do your screen habits look like today? Mm-hmm. Are you able to play video games at all?
2: So I did, um, an undergrad off and on this time instead of high school friends with some buddies from the military, but now in law school, I really honestly, like probably until this last year of law school, I just didn't, it, there was no time. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely just no time, um, if I wanted to do well in school and be prepared for my practice, I knew that I had to focus. Um, and that's what I did. And now I have a little bit more free time, but um, I'll get on twice a month, maybe okay. like a couple, a few hours twice a month. And I'll play with, you know, some friends just kind of catch up a little bit. Cause that's just what they do. Sure. I'm not on social media at all. So that's, yeah. that's kind of my, my, social interactions with with my old friends and stuff. So not much. Yeah.
0: So Adam, help me understand you, you had said just a few minutes ago that you know of others who have either dropped out because of video gaming's dropped out of college because of video games and such where you're kind of a success story. Where are some of those other guys who have dropped out of college? Do you happen to know?
2: <laughs> I don't even know. I'm not sure. I think one of them actually went back and did finish at least undergrad that I'm aware Mm -hmm. of. The other ones, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not really on social media, which is, you know, just kind of how everyone keeps up with people these Mm -hmm. days. I have a LinkedIn, but (laughs) that's pretty much it.
1: Adam, when you were in the heat of your addiction... Um, did your video game habits, do you feel like they affected your creativity or maybe your reasoning skills at all?
2: Maybe during the time That's what I mean. they did. Yeah. I don't feel like now there's really too much permanent stuff except for maybe some focus issues that I've had to work on. So yeah, the main thing I think for me was my attention span and focus. and And law school has kind of helped with that. I kind of had to... You know, adjust for long long periods of focusing on mm-hmm. my reading and stuff like that.
1: Well, some of those games can actually increase your focus, but uh, for for kids 12 and under, uh, can you tell us what video games that parents need to be most cautious about right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really it's this is more of a principle than a specific thing. I think for specifics, it would be like Fortnite and Minecraft. Mm. But realistically, as time evolves, it's just going to be the most popular games because those games are going to be the ones that are realistically just going to be the most addictive Mm. because they're going to they're not going to have, you know, turnover basically for their clients. Uh, They're going to just keep growing and growing and growing because because they are addictive and because it's fun and because it it does whatever brain stuff video games do to keep people playing them and it does it well so so. if you had a
1: 12 year old and uh he comes home with Fortnite from from a friend at school
2: um you're gonna let him play it with a friend like for a night yeah i think that i probably would i wouldn't have anything like that in my house, and if it started looking like he kept wanting to go to this friend's house to play Fortnite, well, a friend can come to our house where we don't have Fortnite, and okay. y'all can play over here. I don't know if, and everyone's different, everyone's different, yeah. but you know, some people can do something once and they're sure. fine, and some people can't.
1: Depending um, on the individual, right? Is there any uh, video game that no dependent minor uh, should be allowed to play in their parents' home, whether they're 18 years old or not.
2: I mean, for me, it would be World of Warcraft because it's yes. just it's just so addicting. Sure. It, it it just has such a high capacity to ruin your life for really no reward yeah. at the end of the day other than entertainment.
0: I'm just curious, Adam, if you were to find out about a 16 year old who was having an addiction to games How would you encourage him or what would you say? Mm,
2: Yeah, this is a common thing with my mom's nonprofit. But basically, in my opinion, when you're immature, just generally, physically, mentally, I think that you really need the parent's help. Mm. I would tell the 16-year-old, you know, just warnings like this is going to ruin your life. If it gets out of control, there's really no reward here. You could be doing other things that will set you apart from your peers, which will help you in all aspects of life. But realistically, in my opinion, you need strong parents and strong leadership from the parents to be able to basically force the kid to do what's best for them.
1: Amen.
0: Adam, thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us today. We realize that, especially as you're in your last year of law school, that time is of the essence. So thank you so
2: much. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.
0: So, Trace, earlier in our conversation, Adam talked about how he broke this addiction. He basically gave kudos to military because of of just stepping in and going to boot camp and then going off to um, the military right after this gaming addiction had gotten so bad for him. How are you seeing other kids, like the kids at Shepherd's Home, mm. how are you seeing them break their addictions?
1: Well, it's cold turkey. Number one, okay. um, I'm not saying that's always the best way to break an addiction, but um, I'm not saying it's the worst all the time either. But, you know, the, the bottom line is they're, they're not exposed to it. They don't have access to it. And, uh, you know, I think if parents want to keep their um, parenting journey issues to a minimum and make it easier for them to, to you know, impart wisdom into their kids, for people who tell me my kids can't play video games, my kids can't get on the internet, you know what? It, that may be the right thing for you. You know better than I would on that. I, I think there's a continuum as to what we need to be doing with this whole thing. Some kids might be uh, better in the case of being able to occasionally indulge in this or that or the other, but having a smartphone, that's something I'll, I'll, I'll go to my grave with You know, as far mm-hmm. as unfettered access to it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think parents are, are lacking in the knowledge of what these things can actually do to their kids' minds, their brains, their, their, the physicality of their brain. I don't think they know. I don't think they know what's out there. I think they the, the parents, by and large, make a huge, and I'm, this is a generalization, but it's a pretty accurate one, huge mistake when they want to think the best of their children. They fail to sometimes put themselves uh, in their children's shoes. What would I have done had I had access to this or that or the other, mm-hmm. uh, like their kids do? And that brings a whole new reality to the equation. So you have to think the truth about your kids. You can't just go into it as if uh, they're always going to make the right decision. Because even as mm-hmm. adults, we don't make the right decision sometimes. We we rationalize because, as I say a lot, you know, the mind can always justify what the heart's already accepted.
0: Well, and as we read in the Bible, the heart is inherently evil <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> until God gets a hold of us. We're supposed to have
1: regenerated hearts, though, and and you know, yeah. but even with a regenerated heart. Uh, we can still allow the enemy to creep in and have his way with us. And it happens all the time. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Grace. Amen. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is an extension of Shepherd's Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. If you need help with your teen, we want to be here for you. And we want you to learn more about Shepherd's Hill when you visit LicensedToParent.org. Also, learn how God has blessed Shepherds Hill in Trace's book, The Miracles of Shepherds Hill, available at LicensedToParent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosell. Carl Peetz is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent.
1: And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.